Our scripture lesson tonight comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 10. We, Leviticus 10 picks up in the middle of the story of the, of the consecration of the priests and the beginning of their priestly service on the eighth day. So we're, we're after the offering of the sin offering and the, and the, and the burnt offering for the priests and then the sin offering and the, and the burnt offering and the uh, peace offerings for the people. And the, the glory of the Lord has just appeared, uh, and the fire came out from before the Lord in verse 24 of chapter 9. Fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. And so hear the word of the Lord now from chapter 10. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified, and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose, and do not tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. You are just to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his surviving sons. Take the grain offering that is left of the Lord's food offerings, and eat it unleavened beside the altar, for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place, because it is your due and your son's due from the Lord's food offerings, for so I am commanded. But the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed, you shall eat in a clean place, you and your sons and your daughters with you, for they are given as your due and your sons due from the sacrifices of the peace offerings of the people of Israel. The thigh that is contributed and the breast that is waved, they shall bring with the food offerings of the fat pieces to wave for a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be yours and your sons with you as a due forever, as the Lord has commanded. Now Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the surviving sons of Aaron, saying, Why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary, since it is a thing most holy and has been given to you, that you may bear the iniquity of the congregation to make atonement for them before the Lord? Behold, its blood was not brought into the inner part of the sanctuary. You certainly ought to have eaten it in the sanctuary, as I commanded. And Aaron said to Moses, Behold, today they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and yet such things as these have happened to me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would the Lord have approved? And when Moses heard that, he approved. This is the word of the Lord. 
So what's going on here? Nadab and Abihu were the two older sons of Aaron. They had been with Moses and Aaron and the 70 elders of, of Israel on Mount Sinai back in Exodus 24. They had been prepared for this. They had been sort of trained for this. They're, they're, part, they're part of this whole consecration of the priests. Now they offer strange fire before the Lord and fire comes out from the Lord and consumes them. It might seem a little odd because I mean, we've already seen I made a big deal about this last week, that Aaron failed catastrophically with the golden calf. If you just compare the two sins in sort of, okay, Aaron makes a golden calf and they worship it. And now he's the high priest. His sons just make one small mistake. They offer incense to the Lord in the sanctuary, just not the way God said fire comes out from the Lord, burns them to a crisp. Whatever happened to getting the second chances, like Dad did? (laughs) Whatever happened to the Lord is merciful and gracious? Well, yes, the Lord is merciful and gracious. But the Lord is also holy. Those two things are not opposed to each other. Moses has been laying out very clearly the importance of doing what God says. The refrain that we've been seeing over the last couple chapters in the, in the chapters 8 and 9 is over and over again and they did as the Lord commanded Moses as the Lord commanded Moses as the Lord commanded Moses it's been the refrain that we've heard over and over and over again when the priests are bringing God's people into the holy place they themselves need to be holy when God says do it this way don't do it some other way But the fundamental difference is a difference of timing. Nadab and Abihu offer strange fire at precisely the moment when humanity is returning into the presence of God. At precisely the moment when the new creation is dawning. As we've seen, there has not been a place or a time ever since Ever since the fall, there has not been a place or a time where humanity has been able to come into the presence of God. This has been something that it's, there's never been a place where you could go to say, ah, I want to, I want to inquire of the Lord. The answer was always, well, okay, there's Abraham, but Abraham's not a place, he's a person. Now there will be a place. Now there will be a place where you can go and you can come before God. And at precisely the moment when the new creation is dawning, the old creation strikes back. The serpent had said to Eve, you shall not die. What's going on with Nadab and Abihu? They're saying in effect, oh, yeah, you shall not die. You, you, you do things a little differently than what God said. That's no big deal. We're, we're his holy priests. The lie of the devil is that God does not really mean what he says. Here in Leviticus 8-10, through 10, the Lord is opening a way back to himself, or better, forward to himself. We saw last time how the eighth day was a sort of new creation. After seven days of consecration of the priests, preparing for their service, on the eighth day, 
they now can offer sacrifices for the people so that the people might come before the Lord, so that the Lord might reveal himself to them, which is what he does. It's, it's the, very last, the very last verse of chapter 9. When fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of the fat on the altar, when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces because the glory of the Lord has appeared to the people. The Lord himself has come. Humanity has a path back to God. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, the priests have been told, here's how to ascend the hill of the Lord, how they can enter his holy presence. For the first time since Eden, there is a place where man can meet with God. So this eighth day was the dawn of a new creation. Now, from our perspective on this side of the cross, It's the dawn of the shadow of the new creation. But for Aaron and his sons, for all Israel, this day is simply the dawning of the new creation. The eighth day has come. The Lord had promised to appear to him, to them, and and they had they had so far all the way down the line, as the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses. They had offered sacrifices for the priests. The priest must be in a right relation to God, so they offer the sin offering for the priests and then the burnt offering, the ascension offering for the priests. And they continue this. And for seven days, they offer their sin offerings and their burnt offerings. And now, on the eighth day, they've offered, again, the sin offering and the burnt offering for themselves. And once being purified themselves, the priests can now make atonement for the people. And they do this through the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering for the people. After offering the sacrifices, Aaron blessed the people in verse 22 of chapter 9. And having received God's blessing, he now mediates that to the people. It's very much what we sang about in Psalm 133, that there the Lord commanded the blessing through the the anointing of Aaron, through the, the holy oil upon his beard, running down upon his garments. This is now... Aaron is now leading his people back into the peace of God, the shalom, the well-being of fellowship with God. And Aaron joined Moses in the tabernacle. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat of the peace offering. God has accepted their offerings. More Precisely, God has accepted Aaron and his sons as priests. A new day has dawned. A new creation has come. A new Adam has entered the garden. And only God can open the way for humanity to enter his presence. But only man can walk that path. And here on the first day of the new creation, as humanity has entered the presence of the living God in the new holy place, The sons of Aaron go off script. The word of the Lord has been performed to the letter up till this point. They keep doing it. I mean, if you go back to Exodus 28 and 29, you have, here's the way you're supposed to do it. And then you come to Leviticus 8 and 9, and here's the way they did it. As the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses. And now they go off script. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered strange fire before the Lord. God is a holy God. You cannot treat the new creation as a trivial thing. 
Nadab and Abihu found this out the hard way. Remember, they had, they had stood on Mount Sinai with Moses, Aaron, and the 70 elders of Israel in Exodus 24. They had seen the God of Israel on the mountain. They had partaken of the peace offering on the mountain in Exodus 24. And yet on this day, the first day of their service as priests, they did not regard the Lord as holy. They did not honor Him or obey His word. They offered unauthorized fire, strange fire before the Lord. What, what does that mean? Well, they offered incense before the Lord, which was actually something that only the high priest was supposed to do. Exodus 37-9 specified that the high priest was to offer incense every morning and every evening on the altar of incense. And the Lord had said, you shall not offer strange incense on it. Nadab and Abihu had no business offering incense before the Lord. This wasn't what God had told them to do. And so fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. Fire had come out from the presence of the Lord in a sign of approval just a few minutes ago. And now it comes as a sign of divine displeasure. You might wonder, how can you tell whether fire from heaven is a good thing or a bad thing? Well, yeah, it's pretty obvious actually. Does the fire consume the offering or does it consume the priest? That doesn't answer the question. This is where the story of Nadab and Abihu takes an unexpected twist. What does Jesus say in Luke 12, 49 and 50? I came to cast fire upon the earth and would that it were already kindled. That's a reference back to what John had said about who Jesus was and what he would do. John had said that the, the one upon whom the Spirit comes, the one upon whom John would baptize, this one would baptize with the Spirit and with fire. Jesus has come to bring fire, to cast fire upon the earth. But, Jesus says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Unless and until there is a sufficient sin offering what would happen if God, if Jesus, if Jesus had simply come and cast fire upon the earth? Well, like Nadab and Abihu, we'd all be toast. The fire of God's wrath would consume all humanity. Jesus himself must first be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The fire of God's wrath must be poured out upon the priest and upon the sacrifice. I realize that at first, it looks like Nadab and Abihu are simply destroyed for their wickedness. And, well, wickedness, is it wicked? This is where we have to be a little bit careful. They offer strange fire, yes, which is contrary to God's command. So this is definitely sinful. They shouldn't have done it. But in this moment, Nadab and Abihu become a picture of Christ. Like all Old Testament pictures of Christ, they are flawed pictures. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But on that first day of the new creation, as the spirit and fire are poured out upon the temple, the spirit and fire are also poured out upon the priests. It's just Nadab and Abihu could not withstand the fire of God's wrath. Because, well... They were sinners. And so when the fire came out from the altar, it consumed them and they died. 
when our Lord Jesus will come as the priest who will take upon himself the fire of God's wrath, it will not consume him. Because, yes, he is man, who will, who, and only man can walk the path back into the presence of God. But he is also God. And so the power of his indestructible divine life enables him to survive that moment. This is what happens when the spirit and fire are poured out upon the sons of Adam. Now, why do I say that they are a picture of the outpouring of spirit and fire? Well, it says that they died before the Lord. When Korah's rebellion takes place, the followers of Korah will also offer incense before the Lord. Fire comes out from the Lord and consumes them. Period. Here it says that they died before the Lord. The wording here is, I think, important. Yes, they sinned. They shouldn't have done this. This was, they did what God said not to do. And they take the penalty for it. But, there's a difference between dying in rebellion against God and dying as a sinner before God. You and I will all die as sinners before God. We've, we've, we're all sinners, and that's not going to change between now and when we die. But if you die in faith, then you do not die in rebellion against God. Korah and his rebellion is clearly portrayed as being, these are, they are in rebellion against God, in rebellion against the Lord, in rebellion against Moses. Nadab and Abihu are not portrayed as dying in rebellion against God. They sinned, yes, but this is where they are not portrayed as being rebels against the Lord. And this also perhaps makes us, makes help, uh, helps us understand the interaction between Aaron and Moses. Moses says to Aaron, I mean, I'll just start off by saying, we don't get a full record of everything that happened that day. If you think about, so people sometimes struggle with, it looks like Aaron's awfully stoic through all this and it feels like, it looks like he has no emotion. Sort of. Well, we're not given the whole dialogue. We're not given all the... The parts that we're given of this story is that, the parts that we need to know in order for the priests to know how to work before the Lord because that's what the book of Leviticus is about. So the story is only part of the book of Leviticus because it illustrates a point that Moses is making for the priests. For Israel to enter the presence of God, we need a holy priest, one who sanctifies the Lord, who treats the Lord and the Lord's things as holy. Otherwise, we're all toast. So if you want to understand the emotions, go to the Psalms. If you want to understand the emotions, there's lots about that in the prophets. You're not going to find much about the, sort of Aaron's emotional response here because that's not part of the story. doesn't mean it didn't happen it just means that's not what we're focused on in this text. So it's, it's just, if, if you're looking for sort of how did Aaron understand this and how, we're simply not told. What we are told is that this is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Aaron's response here is a powerful silence. He 
acknowledged God's right to do this. Uh, when it says that Aaron held his peace, it's basically, and Aaron kept silent. Uh, those, those who dwell near the Lord are in a privileged position, but they're also in a perilous position. Their higher office involves a greater degree of responsibility for the danger of falling short and experiencing the Lord's judgment is proportionate to the grace that one has received. You think of First Peter 4 when he says that, that judgment begins with the household of God. And if, if that's, we, we, Aaron's sons have violated the holiness of God, they, Aaron knows that, okay, he acknowledges, yes, God, God was right in what he did. His sons had sinned. They had violated the holiness of God. And so he keeps silent. He does not, he does not, I mean, he's obviously grieving. He's obviously very sad. His sons are dead. In fact, that's what the next section is dealing with because the, the priests were supposed to be leading in the worship of God. Aaron and his sons are not allowed to mourn and to engage in the, the regular grieving activities of ordinary Israelites. Uh, and so we'll hear more about the details of that later. But here they are told simply, uh, Moses calls for Mishael and Elzaphan, who are the, their, the cousins, the, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and says to them, come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. Uh, if, if you think back to the, the, how the sin offering is to be uh, burned outside the camp, here you have, here you have the picture of, you have, actually it's, it's, it's interesting to think about what did the fire that came out from the Lord do here? Because it plainly doesn't, uh, it leaves dead bodies. So you, it doesn't consume them as fire would, would consume. It leaves, you know, it leaves a dead body. Um, how exactly? <laughs> when you start thinking about the logistics of it, there, there are, there's actually Jewish tradition said that, that the fire that comes out from the Lord consumed them in that sense from the inside out rather than from the outside in. So it's not that their, their bodies are, are scorched from the outside, it's rather that it's, it sort of it came from the inside. And uh, so it was, it, it, it's just interesting thinking about, hmm, what was the physics of this? Uh, but, uh, but plainly, there are, there are the dead bodies. Carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. And so they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp. If it sounds like they're basically they're sort of like, don't touch the dead bodies because they've been consumed by holy fire and so sort of just hold them by the coats. <laughs> um, and, and, then, and then he turns to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his two remaining sons. Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose and do not tear your clothes lest you die and wrath come upon all the congregation. Sort of this is... You have been anointed with the, the, the holy oil of the Lord, the, the anointing oil. Yeah. So, and if, it, since the priests were engaged in the worship of God, they are not allowed to mourn. And in fact, they're called to let, let the rest of Israel mourn on your behalf. He assures them that the rest of the family, indeed the, all, all the family of Israel, will mourn. But if they leave the temple the tabernacle, then they too will die. And you can even think back to Jesus' words when one disciple said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus replied, follow me 
and leave the dead to bury their own dead. You have entered the new creation. You have the holy anointing oil upon you. You must not be distracted from your service to Christ. The first day of the new creation has demonstrated that we haven't gotten very far yet. In one sense, everything is pointing to Jesus. And yet, in another sense, everything seems to be just the way it was before. But think about when Jesus comes. When he came in order to baptize with the Spirit and with fire. He came in order to kindle the blaze that had consumed Nadab and Abihu. But Jesus took that fire upon himself. And when he took that fire upon himself, he endured. And when Jesus was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of his Father on the day of Pentecost, on the 50th day, 7 times 7 plus 1, the ultimate 8th day, Jesus does what he says when he came to cast fire upon the earth. When he pours out the spirit and fire, the tongues of fire that come on the day of Pentecost. And when Jesus pours out spirit and fire upon the church, nobody got toasted. The spirit came and the people of God proclaimed the wondrous works of God. Now you may be thinking, and you'd be right to think, wait a second, a few weeks later, Ananias and Sapphira lie to the Holy Spirit and the Spirit strikes them dead. Yes, Ananias and Sapphira are the Nadab and Abihu of the New Covenant. Ananias and Sapphira had lied to the Holy Spirit. If they had had just chosen to give a portion of what they received from the property, that would have been fine. But they, they say they gave it all, when in fact they only gave a portion. And so because they lied to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit strikes them dead. So it's, it's still the case, and this is part of, part of what being, we're being reminded in the Ananias and Sapphira story. God still requires holiness of his people. Holiness is not optional. It's, it's not that God now says, oh, you can sin all you want and I don't care. No, God never says that. God's standards haven't changed. Rather, that's why he sent his son. That's why he sent Jesus, to bear our sin and our guilt. And so, in verse 8, the Lord speaks to Aaron. Now, occasionally you'll hear that the Lord spoke to Aaron and Moses, but there's no other place where the Lord speaks only to Aaron. But in this moment, both in the moment of of Aaron's now uh, Aaron's being consecrated this this is this is the day that Aaron as the new Adam has come into the the new creation now it's also the day where Aaron the father has lost his two oldest sons in this moment where undoubtedly he is grieving the death of his sons the lord himself addresses Aaron and the lord gives Aaron certain regulations for the priesthood the first thing he says is, drink no wine or strong drink. You or your sons with you when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. Now, this, many have said, suggested, this certainly makes it sound like perhaps Nadab and Abihu had had a little too much to drink, and this is what led to them being using poor judgment. It doesn't say that that's the case, but it's a, certainly, it, it, there's, it suggests this may have been the situation. But whether they had or not, it's certainly the case that alcohol loosens one's inhibitions. And uh, inhibitions are a rather useful thing for humanity, especially since the fall. 
I mean, we all have tendencies and desires that would lead us in dangerous paths. Alcohol will not make you sin, but it can make you less guarded against sin. And so God prohibits the use of alcohol when the priests were to go inside the tent of meeting. And you might be wondering, well, what about the drink offering, which they are supposed to drink part of? Well, that's what they do out in the courtyard. So it doesn't say they can't, they can't drink alcohol or when they are serving at the altar. It says when they go into the tent of meeting, which doesn't happen every time they're serving at the altar. The statute is very clear. The prohibition against drinking wine and strong drink applies to the priests when they go into the presence of God, when they go into the tent of meeting, when he bears the people into the presence of God. For such a task, one needs to be sober in every sense of the word. And then God adds that Aaron and his sons are, in verse 10, to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Now, in one sense, this sort of sets up the next section of the book of Leviticus. Because you might be wondering, so how do you distinguish between the holy and the unholy, the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean? I, I misspoke there. It's not distinguished between the unholy and the holy. It's between the holy and the common. It's important to recognize that for God, in the way the, way the Leviticus will talk, the distinction is not between holy and unholy. It's between holy and common. That's, it's a, that's an important distinction which we'll work through throughout the next several weeks. But, and then the unclean and the clean. Because the priests are to be the judges of religious matters in Israel. And they're to teach Israel all the decrees of the Lord. They are judges and teachers. And this is where Nadab and Abihu had failed to distinguish between the holy and the common. They had taken common Incense. They offered the strange fire. Is it's they had offered something common to the Lord. It wasn't that they offered something unholy. It was something. It was simply something common. It was not holy to the Lord. And you don't take the common into the presence of God. You take the holy. So, but this is this is again. It's setting up actually the next several chapters of the book of Leviticus. And verse 12 reminds us that we are still in the middle of the rituals of the eighth day. So all of this happens uh, very much as, 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 the, uh, as the, the meat is cooking, as it were. If you recall, anytime you have offerings, you have, we've heard about this, the offering of the animals. We've heard about what you do with their blood how the, the blood is, is used uh, for purifying and, and making atonement at the altar, for the, anoint, uh, the anointing of the priests, and all, all the, we've heard about all of that side of things. But now, we've, we have the partaking of the peace offering, and if you think about it, again, in between the offering of the animals and the partaking of the, of the meal, the meat, there you, you, this is where you have the word of the Lord. And as all throughout the Old Testament... The word of the Lord comes in between the offering of the animal and the partaking of the animal. If, if you think about it, that's why our worship services throughout Christian history have started with entering God's presence 
through the sacrifice, through the offering of, of uh, this why we, we start with a confession of sin, declaration of pardon, and then you have the word of the Lord, and then you have the partaking of the sacrifice. Well, because that's what they did. This is what God's people have always done in the, in the worship of God. But now Moses speaks to Aaron and to his sons, the surviving sons, uh, remember to take part of, in these offerings. Take the grain offering that is left of the Lord's food offerings and eat it unleavened beside the altar, for it is most holy. Uh, the priests were to eat the most holy things in the holy place, in the court of the tabernacle. But the peace offering, the the priest's portion of the peace offering, which is the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed, were to be eaten in a clean place. So again, they're already we're beginning to see distinctions between holy and common, clean and unclean. So holy and common, this is going to be the, the holy place is the, is the sanctuary. But then there's common places. Common places can then be dis- distinguished between clean places and unclean places. Unclean places would be, for instance, where you have the dead bodies. That would be unclean. But a clean place simply means a place that is not contaminated by that which is unclean. And so they can eat the rest. In fact, they're supposed to eat the, the peace offerings in a clean place to be distinguished from a holy place. So if you'll also notice, they're to eat with this together with their families. The the, the Lord's most holy things are to be eaten in the sanctuary only by the priests. So, for instance, their wives and daughters will never partake of those, only those who are consecrated to the priesthood will partake of those. But the things that are given to the Lord are also to pr- provide for the families of the priests, and so this is where they should eat these offerings in their homes together with their wives and children. Uh, so it's important to distinguish between the holy and the common, and then within the common, you distinguish between the clean and the unclean. So part of the, the priest's distinctions are to be then teaching Israel to make these distinctions and understand them. And then Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering. Said, wait, wait, Aaron, where's the goat? What happened to that? And behold, it was burned up. Now Aaron's, uh, Moses is, is, is nervous. He's like, wait, wait a second. Um, God's already struck down two of your sons today. Why, why didn't you eat it? You're, supposed to eat, you're not supposed to burn it. You're supposed to eat it. When he discovers that Aaron and his sons had not eaten the meat, he was angry. And it's... Would the whole priesthood be destroyed in a day? Is, is fire going to come out from the altar again? And, but Aaron explained that in the light of the events of this day, he could not imagine that God would be pleased if the priests had partaken of the sin offering. He's like, the priests had sinned. Don't we need to make another sin offering before we would come back and start to do this again? And... Moses, reflecting on this, says, oh, that's, this makes sense. This was not so much disobedience out of rebellion, but um, this somewhat unusual practice would be justified by the rather unusual events of the day. Because when the priests sin, it creates a real conundrum. What do you do when the mediator is unworthy? 
What do you do when the one who's supposed to bring you into the presence of God can't do it because he himself is contaminated? Well, this is particularly why the book of Hebrews just is gleeful about who Jesus is. Actually, if you look over at Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 7, starting in, in verse 11, the author to Hebrews says, Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, after hearing about Nadab and Abihu, like, okay, yeah, right. No, it was not. For under it, the people received the law. So if perfection had been attainable, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken, namely Jesus, belonged to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. This is where Jesus, when he was, when the fire of God's wrath came out to destroy him, he rose from the dead. because of Jesus, because Jesus is true man and true God, he has an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. A quote from Psalm 110. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. Namely, priests must always be from the, the tribe of, of Levi. It's like, well, yeah, the law made nothing perfect. The first day when the law is being, and they're being so careful, as the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses. Oops, one little mistake. You see, this is also why Hebrews makes the, makes the, the point earlier about how Jesus is like us in all things except sin. There was never a time when Jesus went, was like, oops, I didn't do it the way my father said. Jesus always obeyed his Father. And so, on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest. Jesus was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The, the guarantor is the one who, who stands for, basically, guarantee. He's the one who guarantees is the guarantor. And Jesus guarantees, therefore he is the guarantor, that he, he will do what we have failed to do. He is the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many, verse 23, many in number, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Yeah. Nadab and Abihu die on their first day. Aaron lives a little bit longer and then dies, and then you keep having the high priest change over every, every few years as the high priest dies. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Why does this matter? Well, 
Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost. He is able to save completely at all times, forever, those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This is, this is what the law was pointing to. The, the, the reason for the oath coming later is God was teaching Israel through the law of the priests, through the consecration of the priests, through Nadab and Abihu. God was teaching them, you need something better. There needs to be one who will do this fully and finally. And we have a high priest who has passed through the fire of God's wrath, who now lives at the right hand of God, so that we might, as Hebrew says, draw near to God through Him. The, the eighth day of Aaron's consecration brought the glory of the new creation only to fall back into the shadows of this age. The eighth day of Jesus' consecration, the resurrection on the first day of the new creation, brings a new and better covenant And then on the 50th day after that, on Pentecost, when he pours out the Spirit, he brings us to himself that we might enter into the Holy of Holies in him. This is is why we can continue to come to God daily, come to God moment by moment as we come to him into the heavenly Holy of Holies. Not, not Not just like, not just like, Israel watching Aaron from a distance. But we come into the very presence of the living God as he brings us to himself. Thanks be to God for his gracious gift. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have, you have done this, that you have brought about this new creation, that in Jesus we can now come to you at your right hand that we can come to you and know that you hear us because you have given us a mediator who ever lives to make intercession for us and so we come to you in Jesus name and we ask that you would hear our prayers have mercy upon us O God as you have promised and be gracious to us and help us in our weakness and our frailty Forgive us for our sins and, and renew us by your grace and, and grant us that we, might, that we might distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, that we, might, that we might know you and love you and walk before you as your holy people. May we bear witness to the, 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 the glorious gospel of your Son, our Savior, that those around us might might see in us the, the, the glory of, of your Son and might hear from us the, the goodness of, of your salvation. May we show forth your love in the way, that we, in the way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we interact with one another, the way that we encourage one another in faith, hope, and love. Lord, help us.
then Lord, have mercy upon us in, in our afflictions, in our miseries, that, that you would draw near to us and shine upon us the light of your countenance. Lord, for those who walk in darkness, for those who, who struggle with, with depression and with, with anxiety, with the, the frustrations and, and, and frettings of life, Lord, help, help them by your Spirit to, to hear your voice and to draw near in Jesus as you have called, called us. Lord, as for those who are, who are tempted, grant that they might flee from the devil and might draw near to you and hold fast in the midst of temptation, trusting that you will do what you have promised. Help us, Lord, as, as your people to remember Nadab and Abihu and, and be faithful in doing the things that you have called us to do, that we might not pretend to be something other than we are, but we might acknowledge ourselves before you as those who are in need of Jesus. Help us, Lord. And we pray that you would, you would strengthen us by your Holy Spirit in our, in our homes, in our, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our, our neighborhoods. Grant that we might show forth the glory of Jesus, that as you have seated your Son at your right hand, that we might live as those who, who have been made new and who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. May we live as, as your holy people, trusting in your Holy Son, empowered by your Holy Spirit as we walk day by day before you. And as we come to this, your table, we pray that you would feed and nourish and strengthen us by the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.